Giants 23, Raiders 16. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennington. You got ourselves a victory Monday. A victory Monday, uh, which we're going to enjoy. We got two weeks off, you know, or, you know, two weeks until the Giants' next game. So it's nice to, to hit that bye week with a, with a W under uh, under their belt. But we're also going to talk about the defense first. It usually means we're not really very happy with the offense, you know. Like for us to talk about the defense first, it means that the defense won the game, um, which you know it's a lot easier to talk about offense. So we're going to talk about that. But Justin, how are you feeling? You were at the game. Uh, Giants are now three and six in the game and a half back of the wild card. Yeah. Um, hi, Bobby Skinner. Happy Victory Monday. Happy Victory Monday to all of you. Nice to get another home win. Giants are two and three at home. They're three and six on the season. That is their best record since 2016. Congratulations to Dave Gettleman. It's his best record through his first four years. And I'm saying this seriously. I'm not even. I'm maybe maybe 65 percent sarcastic. Think you're saying seriously. 65 percent sarcastic. 35 percent congratulations. Um, so there's a lot of emotions that I feel like we have right now. Um, I think there's relief that we pulled out a win like this, right? And games that which we we've lost games like this, right? So there's a little bit of frustration, which is going to be second half of the show. And there's happiness, right? There's happiness that comes with the with the victory Monday. So I'm in the camp that Giants can't sustain wins like this. But the coaching staff, and if you hear Joe Judge's thoughts after the game, I think this game went exactly like they wanted it to. You know, he got asked about not throwing it to Tony, not throwing it to Galladay. And he's like, no, like, you know, that we wanted to go out and run the ball and prevent the Raiders prevent the Raiders offense from going out there. And because of the, you know, the the lackluster offensive line that they have, like that's the game plan that they want to have. And that's clear. Like we've made that clear on the show now, you know, time and time again, that this Giants coaching staff, especially on the offense side of the ball, they don't prioritize scoring points. So that's their approach. Bobby, I think they're going to have an opportunity towards the second half of the season with the lackluster schedule. They're going to have an opportunity to see if it works. I think there are games on this schedule where it's like, you know what? I can look at that Miami game. I can look at two games against Philly. I can look at another Washington game. I can look at an LA Chargers game, which the Eagles just played them tooth and nail to the end. If the defense can continue to carry us like they did in 2020 and have those types of performances... We're going to see if this offensive philosophy is going to work. And if this coaching staff and if their approach, I don't think it is sustainable, but we're going to see. So that's where I'm at right now in terms of feeling frustrated, feeling overwhelmed, feeling like, oh, does this win really, what does this win really do? That's where I'm at right now. Let them rock and roll and let it see if it works. The philosophy will slightly change because Andrew Thomas will most likely be back. You know, we like like that. That really is the decider on how conservative versus aggressive. They're never really aggressive, but that that really is a decider. But let's talk about the defense. And yeah. Justin, I don't think my opinion really changed much on anybody today. You know, where it's like, oh wow, I felt about you this way coming in. Besides Xavier McKinney, because it's like the guys who we loved and trusted 
for those guys today. You know, Quincy Roche, you know, we we like Roche, and, and he had that game-winning sack. We'll talk about him. Like, he's played well. You know, it's not like we're not expecting to be a superstar, but it's like we felt good about him, you know, coming in, talking about how he's been underrated. But Xavier McKinney, man, like, you know, Patrick Ball, Jason Garrett sucked. The offense wasn't good. Joe Judge, you know, it's a very – the identity of, of this team is – and you know, try and grind out these wins. But, like, Xavier McKinney, man, and he's the player of the game. Yeah. You know, he has a pick six. He adds, you know, seven points to the to the game. And, you know, we don't win, we don't win without that. No, we do he not. He has the interse- interception in the fourth quarter, you know. And Xavier McKinney, and those were both, you know, there's times where you get an interception and it's just a bad ball or you're, you're playing decent coverage but it's a misplaced ball. Those were two amazing plays by Xavier McKinney. You know, the first one where you put Darnay Holmes in a nickel blitz and Derek Carr's, you know, he's like, hey, I, I want hit the run throw. It's third, third down and get him on the out route. And instead of McKinney sitting back and playing in man and trying to keep things, you know, in front of the sticks, no, he plays an aggressive undercuts, seven points for the Giants through that. And then on the other one, playing that deep center field safety, which we really haven't done. We've done, they've done very rarely, even when they do it, it's like, you know, it's, it's not even fully like split in the middle, you know plays it aggressively on that out-and-up route uh, by Zay Jones and picks that off. Like, Xavier McKinney, who, you know, we've been tough on and talking about, like, he doesn't really make any plays, made plays today. He played fast, he played aggressive, and, like, was tr- and trusted everything that was in front of him. And he, like, he balled out today. It was definitely his best game of his career by far. And that's coming with him not even getting the practice, really, until Friday. <laughs> yeah, Joe Judge had a funny comment after the game that it was Ferris Bueller. You know, not not showing up in the middle of the week, but still, you know, when it when it comes down to it, you know, showing up and performing. So I thought that was actually a pretty funny comment by him. So with McKinney with that second interception, like it was actually noteworthy to me. I get I get the all twenty two camera angle from um section three fifteen. Could you tell, Bobby, like at the with the with the broadcast angle, is it running through your head as that play's happening that oh, this is a single high safety look because they're bringing Logan Ryan down like he's about to blitz. This is not really something that we've done this year. Is that something that's running through your head because it was running through mine? They showed it in a replay. I wasn't thinking about it in play. In play, I was like, this is... Well, I I was... David Pouse was sitting right next to me. I was like, David, this is something that has not happened. And Derek Carr saw it. He's like, whoa. You know, whether he changed a play at a line of scrimmage or he simply just called something out. Like, there was a stoppage where I think Logan Ryan tried to anticipate the snap and he ran up. But he ran it maybe a little too early, so then Derek Carr's like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? You know, and McKinney, I think, saves that play because I think Bradbury falls a little bit. So McKinney jumps on that ball as that single high center field safety. And then with that first interception, you know, one of the things I think both of us wanted to see more out of McKinney is moving more laterally and playing a little bit more in man coverage versus just constantly moving backwards, right? Constantly moving backwards as like that free safety. But if he's like charging forward and he's being aggressive and he's like, he's playing with those instincts, you know, like you said to start, I mean, that is where he was strongest at Alabama. And then you saw him make two great plays today, doing that, that same exact thing. The first interception was a little bit more like what he did at Alabama, kind of playing man coverage, playing a guy by the sideline, breaking on a ball, breaking on a ball carrier when he's moving forward. So, Awesome by Xavier McKinney, especially somebody who has really struggled this year. Yeah, you know, and, and I think sometimes we forget how young he is, and you know, he didn't really get a, a real rookie season, you know, because of the uh, the foot injury. Um, and even then, when he did, when he came back, he wasn't playing the position yeah. that he's playing right now. And you it's know, also like, a really tough position. Like, look at pros, pro, terrible example, but look at pros, pro Antoine Bethea in 2019. How long was he in the National Football League? And then he was asked to play single high safety, which he hadn't done in a long time. And he struggled. I mean, playing as single high, like that center field free safety spot 
is genuinely one of the hardest positions to play in info because you're responsible for so much. You're responsible for such a large area, you know, and there's there could be plays that happen in front of you and you don't want to let anything behind you. So it's good to see that he has a game like this playing a position that is pretty hard and not something that he did a lot at, at Alabama. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was very encouraging. You know, like I said, I mean, we this this year a lot. You know, there was times where Adore Jackson even got blamed on a couple of plays earlier in the season where it's like, no, that was Luke Xavier McKinney who blew yep. that coverage. You know, because it was the quarters, you know, four four deep coverage. And on, on top of that, you know, he just wasn't playing aggressive. You know, he kind of was just playing his playing his spot zone and not playing aggressive, not picking things up and letting stuff happen underneath him. So for him to have a game like that today is was. Um, you know, really impressive. I was, I was yep. very happy for him. I'm, I'm excited to see him build on that, you know, where McKinney, you know, we talk about, you know, guys making plays. McKinney was a second round pick uh, in 2020. And up until this point, he really wasn't adding much, you know, but of like of your second round picks should eventually become playmakers, you know, like second round, you, you expect that out of your second round picks, maybe not yeah. stars, but playmakers. And today McKinney was a playmaker. I want to see him build on it. Bobby, I really want him to take that Jabril Peppers role in 2020, not necessarily, I'm sorry, in 2021, not necessarily 2020, where I don't think McKinney has the physicality to play in the box or to be like that money backer, like maybe we thought that he could coming out of Alabama. But what Jabril Peppers was doing this year was he was kind of playing a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, but a strong safety who still relatively plays back and is responsible for also covering slot wide receivers at times too. I would love to see McKinney kind of replicate like that interception that he had today where he was responsible for coming down and playing man coverage on a slot wide receiver. I would love to see the Giants in years in, in the future get more of a true center free safety, like that center field free safety, right? Get more of a true guy like that and have McKinney take like that place of Jabril Peppers this year. I know he wasn't playing all that much, but I think McKinney's strengths is exactly what you saw him today when he's playing more man coverage, when he's responsible for less, so to speak, and he could play with more instincts. That's what I want to see in the future. Well, Patrick Graham put him in that situation, and Patrick Graham and the Giants' defense as a whole has been balling, especially yeah. the past three weeks. You know, they had a, they they held the Panthers to three points in that game, and it's like, good game, but it's like, you know, it is the Panthers. Sam Darnold was struggling. The Panthers' offense was, you know, it's a, it was a bad offense. But, you know, the past two weeks, you have the number two and the number four passing offenses in the NFL. You know, mm-hmm. the Raiders were the second best passing offense in the NFL. The Chiefs were the fourth best. You know, you keep those teams to 20 points to 16 points consecutively. I mean, look look at the last three games. Opposing QBs, Justin, are completing 63% of their passes, 240 yards per game. Here's the big one. And again, we just talked about how these guys are, you know, leading the league in passing. 5.8 yards per attempt. Woof. Over the last three games, that's a, that's that's amazing. You know, if your QB if your QB averages five point eight yards per attempt through three games, he sucks. Two touchdowns allowed, four interceptions, nine sacks, and then thirteen points per game uh, during those games. And they scored nine points on their own. You know, the safety versus Carolina, and then Xavier McKinney's pick six. Patrick Graham is throwing different things. Joe Judge even said in his presser today that they drew some stuff up on the yeah on the sideline. On the which sand. I'm going yeah, to look forward cool. to seeing what that stuff. Uh, ended up being and I think maybe that McKinney interception could have been that because you mentioned how it was single high we had done a ton of single high um you know McKinney playing fast and instinctual like a, a lot of guys are stepping up you know right now where it's like you don't really have that pass rush on the edge still your linebacker your inside linebackers are, are pretty weak right now 
but it's like all those other guys that should be stepping up or stepping up and the you know the, the J- Dory Jackson Bradbury's McKinney's uh you know and then um you know Lee, Leo Lee Leonard I don't think he made he didn't make much noise today a couple of padded batted passes but yeah. he, he didn't really make a ton of noise today but it's, but you know the three games before that he was you know so he's not going to do that every single game so it's just like Patrick Graham has this defense balling right now, and when people asked us a couple weeks ago, like, are we back on the defense? It's like I don't know yet. Well, now I am. I'm back on the defense. Yeah, and a lot of what I talked about, we kind of went back and forth on this to start the season. A lot of what I talked about towards the beginning part of the season was more or less player execution versus Patrick Graham. Well, I think Patrick Graham has kind of perfectly married what made him great and what made this defense great in 2020 by playing a little bit more zone. Now, Bobby, you thought they played a little bit more man today. So you on know, third maybe downs. on third downs they played a little bit more man. It's kind of um, what we expected out of out of uh, Patrick Graham out of Miami. We're talking, we were talking about like yeah, you know, he plays a good amount of zone stuff, but it's like on third downs, like when he is like when is when he likes to get into man coverage, and that's when they did. And what's different about the Raiders versus the Chiefs is I actually trust the Giants secondary, especially without rugs. I trust the Giants secondary to clamp down against man coverage against these Raiders wide receivers. And obviously Darren Waller's a different situation, whether you're going to put a linebacker over there or you know, have a safety over the top. And then Bradbury, you know, did a solid job. Relatively. Crazy the best tight end game of the year happened with your real peppers out. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I do have, I do have a stat though, that I think perfectly tells and contextualizes just how good this Giants defense has been. The last three weeks, but also this is Patrick Graham's identity. This is this Giants defense's identity, right? Looking at the field zone, and particularly when teams cross the 50-yard line or when they enter into the red zone, how are the Giants doing? Well, against the Raiders, 18 plays were ran in the red zone by the Las Vegas Raiders. Bobby, I want you to guess, how many yards did they average per play inside the 20-yard line? 1.9. 2.11. Which Wait, is the Raiders or the Chiefs? The Raiders. Oh, I was... I know, I know you tweeted about the Chiefs, so I was stealing yes. the fact. So, 18 plays ran in the red zone for Las Vegas, 2.11 yards per play. Last week, it was 19 plays, 1.9 yards per play. And then versus Carolina, there was only one play that was run in the red zone in general, and they clamped down when you talk about the 41-yard line to the 41-yard line on the, other, on the other side of the field. So, where this Giants defense is best is I don't care how many yards they allow. But when they get to key spots on the football field, when they're good, when they're at their best, when they get to key spots on the football field, they clamp down. And frankly, I don't know if you can have any more of a dichotomy between how Patrick Graham sees and values defense in the NFL and how Jason Garrett values and sees offense in the NFL, where Patrick Graham is willing to say, I don't care. Giants could be last in the NFL in yards per game. They could be dead last. But when it counts... When it matters is the points. And if it's it's funny how the Raiders lost this game, how the Giants usually lose games by red zone inefficiency and settling for field goals on fourth and shorts when they maybe should be going for it on fourth down. It's funny how that kind of worked out. Yeah, you think think it'd carry over. Like, hey, look how we're doing things, by the way. Um, Yeah, and the Raiders went to the red zone uh, six times today. Once they were one for six in the red zone, and then especially in the second half, you had a pick six to start the field goal, a missed field goal, another pick, and then the this the strip pump, you know, the strip sack by Quincy Roche to end the game. You know, like they showed up when it mattered. You know, and that's you know that's kind of how they did it last year. You know, we talked about yeah, last exactly. year. Like, you know, they're yes. not really great in yards, but it's like they are really good in the red zone. Like they're you know, I think they were either like 
they were like second or third in like red zone defense last season. No, they were. Yes, they were top five. They were top five red zone defense last year. You know, and so they're doing that. But I, you know, Dora Jackson has been really good. Like we don't, you don't. Dora Jackson doesn't get passes really completed on him. You know, and they especially doesn't get them completed on him over ten yards. You know, if if they are completed, you know that's you know if the ten. So you know when he's playing soft zone, they run a little you know five yard hitch. The only time you've heard of Dory Jackson's name this year is getting is getting frustrated with him that he doesn't come down with an interception. Yeah, and it's like if you are <laughs> shutting down receivers, like I under I want you to get some interceptions, but it's like, you know, like your job is to stop them from getting plays. You know, and we have been have had bad cornerback two play for a long time, and Adore has been awesome, man. Like think about this, like you know Waller had his stats this game, had ninety ninety three yards. Renfro had the slot had uh, forty seven. Their outside wide receivers today had eight targets. How many catches do you think they had? I'm going to say three. One catch. Wow. Zay Jones and Brian Edwards had combined for one catch for 20 yards, which was somehow worse than our outside receivers. <laughs> um, on eight targets. On eight targets, you know. So that was that was good. You know, Waller got Waller got his here and there, but it was never like Waller taking over a drive. You know, it was like, okay, Waller got, you know, a, a nice 15, 18-yard chunk on this drive. And then, you know. And, and especially in the red zone, you know, they were trying to get the ball to Waller in the in the red zone, and they weren't able to. You know, Bradbury had a, a deflection on a, what would have been a touchdown if he wasn't there playing it, and then the one that Carr overthrew could have been a touchdown. But at the same time, like Bradbury jammed him off like crazy and screwed up the timing on that play. You know, so you can chalk it up to oh, Carr overthrew him, but also it's like well, Carr po- to- overthrew him because they work on that all week, and James and. Waller's probably not used to being jammed up like he was yeah. versus James Bradbury. And McKinney, that's a, that's a ball where McKinney probably should have broke a little bit earlier on that. So, but McKinney makes up for it, right? With the with the two really good plays that he had. Um, yeah, Quincy Roche. We only had one sack of the game. Quincy Roche strips. I mean, Quincy Roche is playing like last year when we thought as Lorenzo Carter was playing well and he didn't have the best stats but like playing well like that's where I feel like Quincy Roche is playing right now as a rookie and someone DM'd me this and it's two he looks bigger than I thought he did in college now maybe it's because he's wearing number 95 instead that of two it, that is a thing but he looks like, he looks bigger man and he just never stops his hands his feet they are all continuously working together you know and that's why I like Quincy Roche in the draft and obviously the Giants liked him too to pick him up off waivers uh, you know, when at the end of the day, you don't really pick up a ton of guys on waivers at, after 53-man uh, cutdown day. But it's like he just, you know, he's never going to be some amazing top-tier pass rusher. You know, I, the Giants still need to upgrade pass rusher. But, like, he's that good rotational piece who, again, hands, feet, and and like and IQ are always working. You know, like there was a play, you, you know, there's a play last week versus Kansas City where he shed three blocks. How to, you know, stop at the line of scrimmage because... You know, he plays his gap down. There's a pull. He sheds that, and then he picks, you know, and then slams down the fullback and makes a tackle. Like, Quincy Roche, like, he's a he's a smart player, man. And I'm, it's uh, it's nice to, you know, when we were talking about Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez, who O'Shane, both the guys were inactive today. Um, Lorenzo, due to um, injury, it's like, okay, like, Quincy Roche, like, you, you stepped up, you know. And I'm excited to see what Ellerson Smith ends up doing. I mean, they drafted Ellerson Smith over Quincy Roche, so... Hopefully he can get some uh, PT in eventually. Yeah, and the underlying storyline of activating Ellerson Smith and playing Quincy Roche more and Trent Harris was activated too is O'Shane Zimenez was a healthy scratch. O'Shane Zimenez yeah. was a healthy scratch when They're Lorenzo Carter when Lorenzo Carter was hurt. So yeah. here, here's my thing, Bobby. He's done. 
why does it take so long for, and I'm just, I'm not talking about Joe Judge, NFL coaches to play young guys that obviously are better than some of these veteran guys. We saw it in 2019 with Julian Love and Bethea, second time I'm bringing up Bethea. And you saw it with Tony, him taking a little bit longer to get involved. There are so many situations where it's, it's happening right now with Matt Parrott. It's so if many situations. Matt Parrott is starting, not starting for his Tampa. I'm gonna, I am going to jump down on the field and fight the Giants coaching staff. Uh, why? Why does? Why are coaches sometimes so damn stubborn? Why? I don't know, man. It's weird. I, I, no, because it's the difference between Quincy Roche literally winning the game for us. Walking it off, and O'Shane Zimmerman is having a. I, I, it's, this is tough for O'Shane, but jumping offside and then us losing that game against Kansas City. That's the difference. Playing the young guy who has obviously more upside. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's frustrating. It's I. I guess it's just I don't know. It's one of those things. I guess yeah. when you're down in the, you know, and and maybe they have a tough time bench. I don't know. I I, I don't know honestly. Um, anything else you want to talk about on the defense? Um, Danny Shelton made a nice return. I we need to keep updating the stats, the rushing stats when he's on the field and when he's not. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he got destroyed on a play today. Yeah. Um, I mean, he I may, thought they. I thought I was hoping they'd give up on. Speaking of which, I was hoping they would give would have given up on him and, and you know, and either not. just ran their four defensive tackles or you know. Promote David Moe or some, at least someone in there who's going to go in and move their hands and feet and give effort on every play. Yeah. Not someone who's just going to stand there. Yeah. So for the defense, you hope they can keep it up. I mean, that that's the, that's the only thing where it's not the prettiest brand of football. It, it may not be the most sustainable. You know, hey, for the first half of the season, right, or you know, before these last three weeks, it was not sustainable where – Giants would allow teams to just drive down the field, and then they would not clamp down in the red zone. And now these the, the last three weeks, the difference is is that, last, particularly last two weeks against Kansas City and against Las Vegas, they have clamped down in the red zone. And that that is the main difference. You know, Can they continue to do that? Um, that is the, that's the main question. Actually, there's one more thing, a question. It's, um... All right, let's talk about the offense. Oh, Daniel you... you... Oh, you almost did that to me. All right, read the ad. Okay, now, now you want me to read the ad, and I just put the phone down. Ho, 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 gentlemen and ladies. Happy holidays. Did not have a holiday this past weekend. The holidays came early here at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched new products, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. We've talked about it. I hope I was able to talk about it before because I talked about it like two weeks ago, but now it's just in the ad read for the first time. I wonder if I broke any rules. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin, hair, or balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com. Use code GIANTS for 20% off plus free shipping. Body wash smells pretty manly, I might say. It complements my cologne very, very well, which I have to say you know, kind of boosting up the cologne where sometimes I don't want to take a full Italian shower, right? I'm just throwing cologne on myself. I want to be able to put a little bit of cologne on, but have the body wash really stand out. And the Manscaped body wash really, really does do that. And inside, you're also going to order a performance package 4.0. You're going to find, of course, the Lawnmower 4.0. Electric trimmer has propriety, 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 
advanced skin safe technology reduce those cuts on your nuts waterproof of course it's like the gift to your partner with less mess two-in-one shampoo shampoo and conditioner has key ingredients with benefits that include hydrating nourishing and conditioning the scalp plus strengthening your hair at the same time so i want you to get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code giants at manscape.com 20 percent off free shipping code giants manscape.com every guy out there needs to add manscape to their wish list this season i'm about to just drive some manscape products through people's faces who keep on saying that adora jackson's not good because he drops interceptions that's wow. what i'm about to do do that yes i did check twitter while justin was reading the ad um you gotta We're going to have to start read, doing read, read, reading dumb tweets back on the show. We're going to have to bring back that segment. That's going to be a Simple Man Radio segment. You're, you know what? I'm going to... Just if you're in the live chat, you can go to the tweet. I just go to my tweets and replies and the ones. I, someone's like, I can't believe this dude. Is this dude being serious right now? It's like one good game out of nine and y'all lose your mind. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm going to lose it on you. Um, Adore Jackson has definitely lived up to the hype and he's been worth the money. The guy doesn't give up big plays or plays at all. Um, you know? Oh, I know. I know, babe. Yeah. Should I retweet it? Well, I mean, retweet, quote tweet. What's the what's Just the retweet so here? people could see it. No. No, we're locked in right now. All right, people, locked people in. People desperately want to hear about the offense. They're so excited to hear about how well the offense did in a victory. So frustrating. 16 points by the offense today, Justin. And we knew this was going to happen. In a game where Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay were back. Yep. And that's what we had said. It's like, you know, you got Tony and Galladay back. Will not having Andrew Thomas still keep them, like, extremely uber conservative? Like, when they didn't have Tony or Galladay versus Carolina, and you're playing a team that not only has really good pass rushers, but blitzes a lot like Carolina... It's like, okay, I get that type of game plan. But these past two weeks have been pathetic, Justin. And here, and as it's I'm talking about being uh, conservative with when, how you pass the ball and just passing the ball in general, you know? And let's talk about first down uh, pass run ratio, Justin. Ooh, on I like to do fir- that. On the first drive of the game, they threw the ball on all three first downs. And guess what? They scored a touchdown. Wow. They moved the ball well, efficiently, explosive play, s- semi quickly. You know, led to seven points. On 19 other first downs, they threw the ball three more times the rest of the game. So that means on the, the following 19 first downs, they ran the ball 16 times. That leads to that leads to nine points total. And Justin, I'm already here. The, the comebacks, they ran the ball well today. They did. They did run the, wall, the, the ball pretty well. You know, their running backs uh, had 26 carries for 134 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. By far their best running game. But that type of running game right there is what you should hope for, like, you know, on maybe not a week-in, week-out basis, but like, hey, we should be able to run the ball like this on most weeks. They, But they treated it like they were the 49ers in the 2019 playoff run, where it's like, we just don't need to throw the ball. We're just getting 8, 10 yards a chunk. That's not what they were doing. And they would get some good runs, and then it would put then, all right, we get stopped on one, and then it's like, man, if we don't uh, complete a pass on 2nd and ten. We're screwed. And then you had got Daniel Jones got put in third and long all game long. I mean, think about it. We scored 16 points, Justin, in a game where Daniel Jones completed 75% of his passes. 75% of his passes were completed, 
and the Giants ran the ball well, and they scored 16 points. It's so frustrating, man. You know, they don't target the receivers at all. They didn't get Kadarius Tony involved at all. Um, you know, Galladay's like, get, 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 is, you're telling me that we can't get Galladay on a contested one-on-one all game long? Like, all game long, that's just not there. That's not part of the offense. Bobby, Again, they, they only Bobby. completed one pass over 15 yards. One pass over 15 yards was completed, or not even completed, attempted, and it was a touchdown to Evan Ingram. The entire game. David and I were begging. Begging. It was a classic 2020 game where the Raiders were just running single high all day. And the thing about them running single high is they weren't even putting that free safety. They weren't even putting that deep safety in the middle of the field. They were constantly just shading that guy to whichever side of the football field had more wide receivers on it. So constantly, the middle of the field was wide open. And you saw when Kenny Galladay was targeted, which it was like on that, you know, those long slants or you know, those posts, whatever you want to, you know, yeah, whatever you want. skinny posts, 10-yard slants. The skinny, skinny posts. Middle of the field was open, right? You know, Evan Ingram, his touchdown. He's one-on-one on the outside. There's nobody over the middle of the field to come over and try and deflect that ball. It's a one-on-one, you know, opportunity. Evan Ingram goes up and he makes the play. You know, we we talked about heading into this year during Evan Ingram's PPP. His average depth of target towards the second half of last year in 2020 was the largest of his career. The first half of 2020, it was the lowest of his career. He had a much better second half of 2020 versus the first half of 2020 where he, you know, tipped up five interceptions in the air. Like he was playing volleyball for the Olympic team, right? So they finally did it and it worked. And it, it, it's just one of those things of, yeah, you even have Colin Johnson. Colin Johnson's a guy that can go up and, and get a football. And it doesn't take that long to give a guy a contested catch opportunity. It doesn't. It does not take all that long to get a snap, have a three-step drop, throw the ball 20 yards downfield and see if your guy can go up and make a play. It, it, it doesn't take that long. And that was their all game. That's that simple play was their all game and you pay a guy 72 million dollars to get targets and you don't do it and like I said to start the show the Giants coaching staff is fine they are fine with this game plan the media and they were asking some good questions after the game they gave Joe Judge every single caveat to say and pivot to say you know what no we want to do a little bit better offensively you know we want to we want to put a little bit more points on the board and you know the coaching point is always yeah there's some stuff we have to clean up right but he gave him every opportunity to say, you know what, we want to do a little bit better on offense. We want to be a little bit more explosive. No, they were fine with the way that they navigated through that game of just doing barely enough and relying on the other side of the ball to do the majority of the job. And that's why it's just as much on Joe Judge as it is Jason Garrett at this point. Like, it is a mindset from this team, you know, and it sucks that, like, defensively, it's like this. Like, when you ask what you want defensively as a mindset, Patrick Graham is it. Someone who, you know, moves is constantly, you know, not, you know, like, not like this is my system. I run this system. Like, no, I'm making changes. I'm trying to adjust with the league. I'm trying to be better. Patrick Graham adjusted mid-game. Jason Garrett hasn't adjusted since 2009. Well, and, and, but that's, it's, 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 it's a mindset of how you coach football. And that is like, this is why I I blame this as almost as much on Joe Judge as I do on Jason Garrett. Because at the end of the day, Jason Garrett is the one calling the plays, you know, but like, this is. Uh, under Joe Judge and Jason Garrett, we have 25 games now, and they haven't scored 30 points on offense. 25 games. That is the mindset. you know, And that's why a game where they complete a high percentage of their passes and run the ball the best they have all year, they only score 16 points. 
because it's like it's just that is their mindset these grinded out win games and like you do all that and you only win the time of possession battle by 20 seconds by the way too you know so it's not like you even like you're dominating time of possession you only won it by 20 seconds and there's other games where people have talked about time of possession and they lost the time of possession battle like i remember seattle last year people were talking about time of possession they lost that battle versus seattle last year yeah they were winning it by nine minutes at halftime um the thing that hurt them to start the second half is that basically you had 15 you had 14 minutes worth of game time to start the second half that daniel jones wasn't on the field so yeah but i i get what you're saying but you know it, it's just uh, that's bobby we're gonna see we're gonna see i don't want i i'm enjoying victory monday they won the game in the way that they want no to win it right that we're gonna see we're gonna see you know how, how they do. They did it against Carolina, kind of just methodically chipping away, playing a really good defensive game. They almost did it against Kansas City. They did it against Las Vegas, right? We're gonna see. The Giants have an opportunity. They're three and six. What? You know, one game out of the wild card, right? There's still relevant football that that can be played. They're gonna play Tampa Bay. Maybe lose it. Maybe they play them better. I don't know. Monday Night Football on the road. They played them well last year, right? We'll see. And it's going to be on them. They're either going to It'll sink be with this. It'll be better with Thomas, but it's just it's who they are, though, at this point. They're either going to sink with this or they're going to just skate by because they're certainly not going to flourish. And it's, it's just not how you operate in this league. We're going to I mean, sink. in a game where they never had a two-score lead, they ran the ball 31 times, threw the ball 23 times. Like 31 rushing attempts to 23 passing plays when you include when you include the sacks. You know, and like, and it was like third down. We're just like, well, all right, well, all right, we're in third to seven. We got to throw the ball. Like that's, that's literally the the a wide receiver caught a ball three times today. Two of them were on third and uh, eight. You know, and that the, was the Kenny Galladay. You know, one was the Kenny Galladay, and then one the Kader, then the Kadarius Tony's one catch. Um, like that was the only time. You know, and then there was other third downs where they checked. I mean, they got the ball back with uh, up four at the fifty yard line and just started handing the ball to Elijah Penny, yeah. and then doing like you know three tight end play action boot, and it's like all right, one one yard pass to, to Elijah Penny. I mean, Elijah Penny's are a fullback. We had first and twenty. We handed the ball off to him and then threw a fullback screen to Elijah Penny. Yeah, to Elijah Penny. Yeah, like that's in the beginning of the game before Devonte Booker um, was injured, and again Booker played well today. Call I'm I'm killing it by the way with my giant factors this year. Yeah, you um, are. Humble brag. Um, humble brag. But again, it's like... Like Daniel Jones, that first drive is awesome. Do you have any opinion of Daniel Jones after that? I don't. It's like... No. Eh, eh. I mean, the fumble was bad. <clears throat> and even though, like... like, Yeah, did they give up a sack on that play? But like Daniel Jones had time to throw the ball on that. And he sensed the pressure. He just fumbled it. But, like, you know... Like, you don't come from this game being like, Wow, Daniel... like. You know, like the Carolina game, were the stats good, great? No, but it's like, that was a good Daniel Jones game. This game, it's like, like eh. what did you do? It's like, eh. you didn't, you weren't really put it, you didn't put, you weren't putting in any opportunity to do anything, and you just, there was like nothing to do. You know, again, yeah. he completed 75% of his passes. We should, coming away from that game, like, wow, really good game from Daniel Jones. But it's like, just the offense is like, it just wasn't set up the pass. And again, they had, they had Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony playing today. Darius Slayton, who should be a solid three. Those guys had a combined um, four targets, I think. Yeah, four and, targets. And, and Darius Slayton had zero catches, zero yards again, right? Two games in a row. Where Dar- like, Darius Slayton shouldn't – that shouldn't happen to Darius Slayton. 
Like, I don't care what your opinion is on Darius Slayton. That should not happen. Two catch, two games in a row, zero catches, zero yards. The guy led our team receiving the past two years. And now he's playing against worse competition because you have those other guys on the field. You know, and there was times where, like, there was big moments in the game where it was like a third down. And it's like they had Colin Johnson and Darius Slayton in the game and not called into Like, it's just so much of it doesn't make sense right now. Yeah. You know? So I have two things. I, I have two things. One... For all of the people that are maybe frustrated with us, well, the offense line bad, the offense line's bad. When you're setting yourself up constantly for third and sevens, that's not helping your offensive line. Yeah, that's throwing like on doing first, the opposite. First down alleviates a bad offensive line. Yeah. You want to know why? Because on first down, you can take what they give you. Because on first down, you could you could push the ball downfield, and if it's there, you can take it, but you can check down. You can check down. What what screws you with a bad offensive line is when you have third and seven, third and eight, and it's like six yards doesn't get the job done. So getting the ball out quick doesn't work here, you know? So it's like, it, it makes it worse. You know, we had some second and shorts to this game and why the Giants not being a team that prioritizes going for it on fourth down is second and short. I know, Bobby, you say third and short is the most dangerous down in football. I think second and short it should, should be the most dangerous down in football because then you have the choice of whether you do want to run or you have a choice of whether you do want to throw the ball deep and play action and, you know, then you still have third and short to run the ball and get the first down, right? So there was a lot, even a few times where it's second and short and the Giants just choose to run the ball and they pick up the first down. Well, it's like, well, you know, reward yourself with good first down play. You know, on the on the, on the plays that you do get f- good first down production, if you don't get a first down on first down, reward yourself that you did well there. So you could try and maximize, get more yards, you know, flip the game script. I talk about game schedule stuff all the time. And... It was extremely, extremely frustrating. Bobby, Bobby, I, I, I get them wanting to use Cunningham often. You know, Cunningham, uh, what's his first name? You know, he's a tackle. He's the backup tackle Corey right now. Corey Cunningham. Corey Cunningham, you know, he's the third string tackle right now without Andrew Thomas, who should be playing over Nate Solder just because we should just be playing young guys and not be playing Nate Solder anyway. I get putting him in for heavy sets, right? But the constant bringing both Galladay and Tony off the field. What are you telling a defense when you take all of your best weapons off of the field at the same time? There, There's no threat. I get it if you want to run the ball. I, I get it. But when you take those guys off the field, there is no threat. Zero threat. And if they're not healthy, then they shouldn't play. I'm sorry. If they're not healthy... They should not be out there. I don't want to hear the pitch count. I don't want to hear we're managing things and we're playing things. I, I if they're not healthy, they shouldn't play. Kadarius Tony got his hand gashed. Like what? Why are you managing his reps? I, I I don't understand the thought process of of not. It's not only just not utilizing your best players, but then not even putting them out there so they're not even a threat. They're not even a threat to do anything. You're just admitting defeat. You target Kadarius Tony once and Kenny Galladay twice. Those don't go together. If if there was a game where you know Kenny Galladay got seven seven eight targets and had a really big game, and it's like, well, Tony kind of suffered from it. Okay, that makes sense. Or the or the you know vice versa for them both, and then also the wide receiver three to get zero tar- uh, you know one target with zero catches, and that was uh, outside curl. You know, which I'm I'm not even sure Daniel Jones was even trying to complete that. It might have just been like, hey, blanket of coverage, I'm getting that ball outside. Putting, putting it way outside to where either Slayton can make a, a crazy catch or, or it's incomplete. Um, it's just so frustrating, man. You, you, What did you sign Kenny Galladay for if you're not going to throw him contested yep. catches? Like, there's, you can't convince me that there was no opportunity to get Kenny Galladay with contested catches. Um, 
you know, it's like, it's what was the point of signing him? You know, like, I love the Kenny Galladay signing. I love bringing in Kenny Galladay for helps Daniel Jones, but it's like, you don't even let him help Daniel Jones. I want you to go back to that we signed Kenny Galladay episode, and I want you to count how many times Bobby Skinner and I both said contested catch king or contested catches. Count how many times you said an episode. Guarantee it's like 45. It's, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's. Because Bobby, the ironic thing is, I'm I'm sorry, that's like the only thing that we did in 2020. Why, why did gold, why is Golden Tate over the course of 2019 and 2020 gotten more contested catch opportunities than Kenny Galladay throughout his first however many games he's been healthy? I mean, we're nine games in, we haven't gotten a touchdown yet. I know some injuries, but, um, yeah, it's frustrating this offense. Now, Andrew Thomas is probably going to come back and he's going to save Jason Garrett's job. Because like he, they will be more aggressive with Andrew Thomas, like that's a fact. Because you can trust the blind side. Um, I do really do. I truly do miss Andrew a ton. Uh, but they're they're it's it's gonna save their job. Yeah. They're gonna go six and ten, seven and six and eleven, seven and ten. No, they're going nine and eight. I don't know what you're talking about. Nine and eight. It sounds so crazy, but it's or it doesn't sound crazy when you say that to me, and that's why. I'm an idiot because like that should sound crazy to me when you say that. Yeah, but then when we talk about the offense and we break it down, it's like, well, how, how? But it, like, like I said, victory Monday. You know, I, I know you know you could be either on our side and say, hey, rip that offense apart, or you could be ripping your hair out saying you should enjoy victory. We're gonna see. I'm kind of like laissez faire right now. My hands are off. It's like my cards are on the table. Of our, our both of our cards are on the table. Of like, this is what we think. And this is what they should do. And the offensive line, frankly, in my opinion, and the lack of offensive line is not an excuse to not throw the ball. And we're not, Bobby, we're not even talking about throwing the ball down the field to take like 20-yard deep shots. Daniel Jones' average depth of target in his air yards today was less than Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football was four yards against the Chiefs. His average depth of target, his average air yards, Daniel Jones on average was throwing the ball four yards down the field against the Chiefs. It was 3.7 against the Raiders. I'm sorry. Your offensive, you, you could have just turnstiles at offense line, which we basically do. But that is just, that that's unacceptable. That is unacceptable at the pro level. 3.7. Yeah, that's but just we'll so dumb. We'll see. It's their approach. It's what they I'm think. I'm scared works. that it's gonna ruin Dan, it's gonna damage Daniel Jones, like even if they actually no, he'll he's coachable. Um, but it's so frustrating. It's like how conservative this offense is. And it's like there's not even the deep shots to take. And again, like let him go from high to low. Let him, you know, let him decipher stuff. And it's like, nope, nope, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game. Um And the quick game's not even quick. Daniel Jones's time to throw was over two and three quarters seconds today. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um Anything else before we talk about me flipping a car over? No, I mean, here, here's here's what I will say. The running game came back. You talked about it. Devontae Booker had a career game. It's funny. They showed... I couldn't a, believe that was his career high in rushing. I, he'd been in the league for a while. They showed a graphic on the screen. What did he finish with? 91, 99 yards? He, went, he had 101 yards, and then he had like a... Or 102 yards, and then he had a three-yard loss, and they put him and he went under 100. So 90, he finished with 99 yards, and they, yeah. showed a, they showed a graphic on the screen at the stadium that once he crossed like 85 yards, that it was a career day. So I did I find believe it... believe that. I did find it to be funny that we gave a running back $2.5 million who hasn't even had a 100-yard career day. He has guaranteed money next year who oh, never joy. had 100 yards. Joy. Um... 
So, but good for Devontae Booker. His rushing yards over expected per attempt was over a yard, which was one of the best from this weekend. I mean, why we signed him is because he's an efficient running back, right? His time behind the line of scrimmage was relatively low today, which that that's exactly why we signed him, right? No more, no matter how many eight man boxes, too. yeah, no matter eight, yeah, which is why he's better than Wayne Goldman. You know, no matter how many eight man boxes that you face, you know, we want you to be efficient. We want you to get four or five yards, and he and he did that today. So, good career day for him and King Penny. When Devontae Booker went out with that hip injury, which he was ready to come back in the game, but when he went out with that injury during that drive where the Giants kicked the field goal, by the way, Graham Gano is he's not he's not even the guy that we need to talk about because he just shows up every week, um, no matter how much I hate field goals. But by um, the way, I didn't think that Keon Crossen hit was as cheap as people made it out to be. Yeah, I just found it to be funny that we traded a six round pick for him and. Special teams king, Keon He blocked Crossing. him. He blocked him. I, I wasn't mad at him. <laughs> um, but King Penny, seven yards per carry. King Penny. He, I wonder if he like is embraced that that's funny, or he's like, oh my god, I, I made this it. joke. And I, you know, I'll take I'll take blame for that, Elijah. Like I, you know, sorry. Um, all right, so yeah, defense. We talked about offensively. Joe Judge. It's again. It's 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 this just as much his offense as it is Jason Garrett's. Um, how about that Wildcat? Wildcat's one of those things that when it works, everyone loves it. I mean, we ran it third down versus the Cowboys on third and goal from the seven, and everyone loved it because we gained five six yards. Wait, so it's it's one when it works. It it. It, it's awesome when it doesn't. Here's what I'll say: when I when we're on defense and other teams try this stuff, I'm like, "Yep, come on, do keep doing Beautiful. that." Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I, I I don't like the Wildcats. Like when I when my like when the Chiefs tried to do that trick play last week, I was like, "Please!" I was like, "Keep doing that cute stuff." Like that's that I love it. Um. So when you run a play like that, do you want to go for it on fourth down? I did. Uh they were. It was fourth and like four or five, and they were at like their forty. I. I actually didn't have any problem with any of the fourth down decisions today. Uh, that was the one I had a problem with, um, simply because and it was the second drive of the game. They had scored a touchdown on the first drive. Yeah, um, simply because. Well, I mean, the Raiders they drove down first drive of the game. They just drove down. They tied it right away. So I was like, you know, why does it? Why does it matter? Um, <laughs> if they're just going to drive down the field, why does it matter where they start? And the Giants clamped down in the red zone anyway. So I wanted to go for it there. Um, ben Baldwin's bot, which I go off of for the stats report videos, it had, a, had it as a toss-up where, you know, winning percentage would have been the same if you punted or if you went for it there. So um, they, I will admit, Joe Judge did win the field position battle today. That is something that he wanted to do, and he did win it. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. That's an episode. Story time. Did you saw? Can you edit it the video into the YouTube? Yeah, I can. Yeah, you gotta send it to me. I have to. Te- I'll text it. Or, or I guess I could maybe email it to you too from my phone. No, I, I prefer email so I can download the file straight. Straight. That through. might have been my favorite, like me and my brother screwing around video of all time. So I I hate that the video cuts out. I know because I was doing Instagram stories and I saw so, like when we flipped over, I let go of it. All right, so for podcast listeners, tell, tell, tell the story. So there's this event, and I don't get to go to it this year, called Crasherama. It's the day after Thanksgiving in Orlando. They you know they have an oval racetrack there. They just have, like, have a bunch of these crazy events, like a flagpole race, figure eight school bus race, you know, a race where you have like trailers behind you, um, you know, a chain race where it's two cars, one leading the way. Um, 
just all types of different stuff. And so my brother enters it every single year, you know, which means you got to buy like not a total junk car, but a car that can run, you know, you know, you know, you know, running on all the cylinders, but it's like, it's cheap and it's, and it's, and it's bad. So my brother got this little five speed and he's like, you see my new car? And you know, he's like, all right, let's go. He's like, let's go, let's go screw around in it. So go behind my buddies, um, or behind his buddies, um, like business, you know, um, and I won't say what the business is or name is for just for location. And he just like, just starts romping through the grass. And this is, this is this, this little car. And he goes to do the e-brake, pull the e-brake thing in the grass. And I knew it. Like I, you know, this sounds a little like pat myself on the back, but I wasn't scared at all. I was just like, I was like, this is going to flip. And like, I was like laughing as it flipped over on its side. It's on its side, so we're, you know, my brother's like, we were neither one of us wearing our seatbelt either. Oh, great. That was going to um, be my follow-up question. <laughs> and there's people outside watching us. And so, like, my brother opens the door, climbs out, you know, and then I climb out. So who was, so it, did it flip and were, was on the I, roof? I was in the passenger seat, so it, it flipped on, it just flipped on its side. So were you on the ground? Yeah. How did so you it was like, out? it was me, you know window grass how did you, you know, get out i mean i, I don't know if i would we climb, climbed climb? we opened the driver's side door and climbed out of it now um, who, did somebody have to hold the driver's side door open because gravity and it would fall down no you just had to like you know finagle it i mean my brother held it for when i opened but he had to get out first um <laughs> so i you know i take a quick video but it's like also it's like all right we need to get out of here before the cops come <laughs> and so literally you got out and you just pushed it from the roof and you, and you yeah we it flipped it over and so we flip it over and me instead of like cause I don't want to get in trouble with cops or anything and there's people literally recording it I just run like I flip it over and just start running away and my brother gets in and drives away um, and then we hit it in his backyard um, but there was people recording I really want to get the video of the person like. I, it would be such a great profile pic to have me and my brother like sideways in the car squished up against that is great. Like, that would be the greatest picture of all time. But man, that was the, I I actually, you know, you don't see us actually flip over, which I wish I had that video, yeah, but that's it also I'm like, that's that's like that's like the thing that I want to see, right? But now. you see it getting sideways and yeah. but the the Instagram story I think does play kind of well where it's like, "Oh, it's going to flip." And you hear me say it's going to flip. And then, like, and then the next cuts. thing you know is me climbing out and then the thing being on its side. So, we'll, I'll email it to you so you can post it. How uncomfortable um, was it, especially because you didn't have a seatbelt on? How uncomfortable was it to be, like, so did you we have were the going open? slow, you know? It wasn't like we were going. Flipping a car is, like, the safest way to wreck. It, it's, that sounds crazy, but it's, like, you're not, you're not stopping momentum at full speed. You're just, you're just rolling. You know, it's, like, would you, ra- would you rather run into a wall? Uh, or hits, you know, run into a tree, Justin, or would you rather just fall and tumble? Oh, I don't you know. know. As long as it doesn't crush up on you, which it didn't. We weren't going fast enough. And I've, it was in the grass. Uh, I've fallen and tumbled before. I have a sensitive neck. So. Um, what what we need is a full film breakdown. Uh, you need to get, you need to get the angles of other people that recorded that, and then you need to do a voiceover for it. Trust me, if I can get the, um, Clean their pools, it and I'd be like, "Hey, as, as as payment, as payment, can you?" I think I'm just gonna have my brother seeing because I guess because my cousin was watching it, and I guess he was friends with their kid. But the yeah, they people were there. You go. But yeah, it's I I I just think it'd be a great video to see like 
this car on its side and then you see these two dudes climb out flip it over one dude gets in it and drives away and the other person dude just runs away on foot like that would that would go viral that it video would. i mean especially because your brother literally <laughs> drove away but then you ran you just ran away what in, in my opinion i think running away was the bad move there because then if cops are going to come they're going to see that somebody's literally running away no, Versus I would have just car. been walking down the street if I saw cops pull oh, down. Oh, okay. Oh, you would. You where would, you're you would in the car, cool. you're in the car. You play it cool. Um. Yeah, but that was that was um. I I really wish we had the camera footage of it happening because it would were be. You, were would, you like hauling ass though, or were you just like jogging? No, it was through the grass. We were going like 20 miles an hour. No, I'm ta- I'm talking about you running, because you running is quite a sight. As I remember it from the from the from the fan fest, I just you know sprinted for like you know fifteen twenty seconds and then got around the corner and just walked back to my brother's okay. house. All right, so sprint on a scale of one to ten, how fast were you sprinting? Oh, I wasn't like going full. It, you know, it wasn't like there was cops sitting right there. You know, it okay. was just very. It was very much like all right, I need to. Because I'm to trying, get out I'm trying here. to visualize you literally getting out of this car somehow, which I, I don't even know how I would get out of the car if I was on the grass. I think I would. I think I'd have to call nine one one. And then pushing the car over, and then it <laughs> falls, and then you book, you Devonte Booker it. Oh man, I, yeah, I was running bad as like on a Saquon Bark uh, one to Saquon Barkley. I was running at like a Devonte Booker speed. Sure, okay, not a King for Penny. myself, not, not just a, not speed a King in Penny. general, not King Penny. Um. So yeah, I mean that was. I deleted it off Twitter though. I was like, I, I just don't want this on Twitter. People on Twitter are weird. I was like, let me just put it on. And I pass you on Instagram. How about that? But you gained some followers out of it too. Congratulations! I didn't promote it though. I didn't like openly promote it. I I just ran into it, um, and I also changed my Instagram handle to Justin Panic to match my Twitter. Which profile. you didn't change that in the Talking Giants bio. I did that for you. Thank you. So you're 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 a good guy. It, the the world comes full circle. Listen, I don't want you to suffer. I just want me to be better. That's no, oh, that's that's true. That's a good. So way everyone to put go it. follow Justin on Instagram. Oh, I got a good. 40 follower lead on him now so yeah, not yeah I'll, be, get a, I'll get another five from this not gonna be relinquishing control after, anymore um so maybe we'll get that video i have to call my brother um so that's an episode you always get the good the best stories the sunday before bye week like the little caesar story was you know was bye week so you know and that's when joe judge listens because he's got some time off so hopefully joe judge will listen to this one even it's though joe we're judge. a lot less high on joe yeah. well, we're like anti-judge at this point where it's yeah. like we don't want him back or last year we really liked him and the well, things that we liked him for by the way i still really like those things it's just correct. the offense is so bad like he has to take control like the offense is the most important thing in football and that's where i'm at with joe judge which we said if the he- same things last year by the way like our critiques are consistent i was i was pretty critical of the fourth down stuff and then we said, like, we like Joe Judge for X, Y, Z. I mean, also, Joe, Joe Judge deserves credit for Patrick Graham in the defense. So, um, you know, he does deserve credit for that. But the offense is the most important thing in football. An offensive play caller, you know, I would I would prioritize it. Positions in football, quarterback, left tackle, offensive play caller. Um, that's my... I would say offensive play caller over left tackle. Oh, I don't know about that. Because I... Well, we can debate that another time. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, you know, I think Joe Judge is safe anyway. So, Joe, you know, Joe, if you're listening... Um, looking forward to having you next year. Get the offense right. Um, I know you're not going anywhere. I think you know you're not going anywhere. And um, next time you talk to the media, talk about a give a metaphor where you're flipping. Don't tell a car. him to do it because when we tell him to do it, he doesn't do it. Well, if, if there's a metaphor of flipping a car, then that's how we know. <laughs> we'll we'll just start. We'll ignore. Like Joe Judge has nothing to do with this offense. It's not his fault. It's John Mayer's fault. 
Um, yeah, we will. Yeah. All right. So schedule because it is the bye week. Uh, we'll have our mailbag out on Thursday. You know, our videos will stay the same. Um, you know, actually, you know what? I'll no, I'm putting both O line report and film review out on Tuesday. Um, so the mailbag pod on Thursday, and then next Monday off the bye week, we are doing a joint podcast with the NYG Weeklies guys, uh, Ethan and NYG Daily Weiss. Um, so we'll do, they'll be on our pod and then we'll go on their pod. We'll probably talk about Joe Judge, Daniel Jones, GM, or Dave Gettleman, and like one other topic. Maybe we'll, I, I think the the third, the fourth topic should just be like us arguing against each other about something. Um, sure. Leonard Williams. So like we'll like I'm looking them. forward to battling about Daniel Jones. Yeah. Leonard Williams would be a good one. Uh, so that, that'll be that. And then we'll obviously have our preview out for, for the Bucks game, the Friday, Oh, by the way, I'm going to the next two Giants games. I will be in attendance. That's big. That's big. I'm very happy for you. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited. So the next two Giants games, Bobby Skinner will be there live. So that means you got to clip the Bucks game. Yes, I was thinking about that on my way home today. Like, I'll oh, retweet am, every single one of them. I am going to be the only one making clips for Giants games next, uh, you know, next Monday night, which excites me. So, bam. All right, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Thursday, unless there's any breaking news. Like last year, they fired Mark Colombo in the bye week, and we had to break some news. Um, so unless there's any breaking news, you know, Jason Garrett being fired, we will be back on Thursday for a mailbag pod. We appreciate you guys. Enjoy Victory Monday. I know we kind of did the little Debbie Downer towards the end, but in- enjoy Victory Monday because you don't get a lot of them. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Thursday. Until then, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>